kids and parents are both weeping, <laughs> but for different reasons, right? One disappointment, one sheer and unending joy. <laughs> and then there are tons of you that just don't care, right? Like you have kids that are out of the house, you've got kids under five, you're like, August 17th comes and goes, it doesn't matter, like it's not, doesn't really matter to you. But as your pastor, I just want you to hear that I am excited that August is here. Uh, I'm ready for the summer to be over because I believe God has some awesome things in store for us um, in the fall here at Great Oaks. And I'm especially excited about two dates that I want you to think about, um, two dates at this point, August 20th and September 10th. On August 20th, uh, three weeks from, or two, two weeks from today, yeah. Uh, we are baptizing a, a bunch of people, and we're starting a new mini-series uh, called Church Is. And Church Is, uh, we're going to talk about what the church is, what it is and what it isn't. It's not a hobby. It's not an activity you do on a Sunday morning every week only. It is more than that. Uh, church is Mission, church is family, church is life. And so we are going to talk about those things starting August 20th. And it's going to be, be a great series. And I want you to get involved in that. Don't miss that. And then that series will lead us into September 10th. And September 10th is going to be a huge day at Great Oaks. We are launching our life groups on September 10th. We will launch with at least 40 groups. And uh, we just believe, I just believe that uh, life is better uh, together, right? Life is supposed to be done together. We're supposed to be walking with Jesus with other people walking with Jesus and studying his word. And we do that through life groups. And we believe life change happens through life groups. And so uh, we want you to sign up that day. If you're not already in a group, get ready to sign up a couple Sundays before September 10th. But we will launch on September 10th. And then that day, we're also going to jump into a series that I believe has the potential uh, to impact our community in an incredible way, transform countless lives and change the eternal destiny of thousands. And I'm not exaggerating, maybe a little, I'm not. This series, I believe, has the potential to do those things that we're going to be jumping into more on that coming soon. Don't miss any Sunday, but definitely not August 20th or September 10th. Write those down and be here. But today we get to dive into a book of the Bible that you might have accidentally skipped over your whole life. And it's usually just about half a page or less. And so it's easy to skip from 2 John or even 1 John all the way to Revelation and skip over 2 John and 3 John. 3 John is where we're going to be. So if you have your Bible, you can head there. Try to find it. If you don't have a Bible, grab your phone or your tablet, head over to the YouVersion Bible app, and uh, you can hit event, and we have all of our notes and our scriptures in there already for you, and you can take notes in that app. It's a convenient way to follow along. Otherwise, the bulletin has notes, and you can follow along there. But we are in our second to last message in this small fry series. Uh, and it's been a good journey, right? This summer, those of you who have stuck in with me, it's been a good journey. Uh, we have been looking at verse by verse, looking at the more overlooked books, smaller books of the New Testament. And so we spent five weeks in Jude talking about fighting for faith. We spent two weeks in Philemon talking about how we need to forgive with love. And we are in week three today of four in Second John and Third John talking about how we fellowship in truth. We fellowship in truth. And so two weeks ago, we started with truth and love. Last week, we talked about truth and lies. 
And today we're going to jump into Third John and talk about truth and legacy. Next week will be truth and leadership, so don't miss it. If you missed any of these messages, grab the podcast on iTunes because I do believe through this summer, through this small fry series, God has been gracious in speaking to us week in, week out, week in and week out uh, in, these, in these smaller books because we started this with the conviction that all of the Bible is the Bible, right? Uh, that although we may spend more time in the Gospels, although we may really know Genesis and maybe we really know Isaiah or something like that, all of the Bible is the Bible and God wants to use it to speak to you. And so I believe he's been, he's been gracious enough to do that this summer. So truth and legacy today. Legacy is a pretty serious word, isn't it? Legacy. Uh, I mean, it's not a word we throw around often. For those of us that have kids, lots of times we think of our kids as our legacy, right? We have these little grubby face, grubby hand, snotty-nosed kids in our house, and we think they're going to outlive us probably. So they're our legacy, right? They're, they are our legacy. We pour into them, they outlive us, they become our legacy. And I, I don't know about you, but there are times that I look at my kids and I'm not sure I've got this legacy thing figured out. I look at my kids and I start to worry about my legacy. I don't know about you guys. Sometimes I look at something Kennedy does or says and I'm like, yes, that was awesome. I got this legacy thing in the bag. This is great. I'm already done with legacy. But there are other times, like when my almost two-year-old just can't get this whole stairs thing down. So she just steps off of our deck steps with no worry about what's going to happen next to her little body. And she tumbles down them, all the while a six-month-old, it crawls up and goes down no problem. I'm like, is she ever going to figure out this stairs thing? I'm worried about my legacy, right? I'm just kidding. She'll probably figure it out. Maybe. I don't know. There are other times, so, so, so sometimes I think, man, I got this legacy thing in the bag. Other times it's, man, I don't know. This doesn't look good for legacy. And then there are times where I'm just confused. I just look at something my kids do, do or say, and I think, man, is this good for legacy or bad for, I'm not sure. Like Aaron will tell me that Joshua, my three-year-old, almost four-year-old, punched another kid at daycare, at childcare, church or whatever, took his swing uh, because that kid was being mean to everybody. And I'm like, that's bad, right? <laughs> yeah, that's bad. Yeah, that's bad. But I don't know. It sounds kind of good. I don't know. It kind of sounds good. I mean, he got the swing. He overthrew the tyrant, all right? That's pretty good. Sometimes I'm thinking about my son Joshua. I know he's a rebel, but he's the leader of the rebels. <laughs> and that seems good for legacy, right? I'm just saying, maybe that's good for legacy. I don't know. So sometimes it's confusing, this idea of legacy. It can be confusing, and it has a lot of weight behind it, legacy. When we talk about legacy, we're trying to widen our view to include what's left after us. Legacy is about what we leave behind us in this world. Legacy is about if we leave anything behind of value. And it's not just a Christian thing. Non-Christians want to leave a legacy too, don't they? Non-Christians want to do this in business, in politics, in family, and in the context of faith. Everyone wants to leave 
a legacy. But the thing is, everyone wants to leave a legacy, but no one wants to think about it, right? Everyone wants to leave a legacy, but no one really wants to think about it. It's this huge thing, maybe the most important thing you could ever spend your time on in your life, and yet we're like, nah, I'll take care of it later. I don't have time for that right now. I just can't get into that right now. And then time flies, doesn't it? I mean, as you get older, it just flies faster and faster. And so we think, I'll get to legacy later. I'll think about it later. I'll have time for that later. But later comes and goes, and we've given almost no thought to it. And then later gets later and later until it's just late. And and I think one reason we don't like to think about legacy is because it brings us face-to-face with this undeniable fact. And this fact might be a shock to some of you, and it, honestly, it may even cause some of you to leave and not come back. I'm okay with that, by the way, if it's for truth. But here's the fact. You guys ready for this fact? The leadership team's like, what is he going to say? <laughs> he should have told us before. Here's, here's the fact, undeniable fact. You're going to die. Shocking, right? And I know some of you are like, oh, what? I am? Yes. You are absolutely going to die. And we'll talk about that more in a minute. But legacy brings us face to face with that undeniable fact that we are not going to live on this earth forever, that we will die. Maybe that's why we don't want to think about it. One exercise I've seen done when talking about legacy is to get people to think about their epitaph, the words that are on their tombstone, or to think about what you want to be said in your eulogy at your funeral after you die. And, and I think it's, it's a good thing to think about. Maybe it's a good thing to think. Maybe we should live with our death in mind a little bit more. Maybe we should go there today. So, so what, what would you want on your epitaph? What are some things that you want said in your eulogy? Good mom? Awesome business man? Great at Pokemon Go? But what do you want people to say? What do you want your kids to say? I, I remember all the things my dad said about baseball? Football? Life? And maybe it's a worthwhile exercise for you to sit down and think about this. As I wrote this message, here are some epitaphs that I found that really got me thinking about legacy for you to think about today, okay? These are written on tombstones. Here's the first one. He loved bacon. Oh, and his wife and kids too. I was on a a tombstone. And bacon is pretty good. So maybe that's something you want on there. Here's another one. I made some good deals. I made some bad deals. This one really put me in a hole. It's true. It's true. Here's another one I found on a tombstone. Just whisper my name in your heart and I'll be there. No. Okay. That's creepy, right? Don't put that on your tombstone. Here's another one on a tombstone. I told you I was sick. Okay, you were right. (laughs) We should have listened. You were right. One more. Some of you can get this one. Tried raising four beautiful daughters. Had only one bathroom. 
Now he's here. Some of you know what I'm talking about, right? Some of you know about that. Yeah, I just want you to laugh a little bit today. Because legacy is so serious. It can seem so overwhelming. We don't want to think about it. We don't really want to talk about it until it's too late. But no matter how difficult it is, waiting to think about and, and plan out your legacy is a huge mistake. It might be the biggest mistake you could make with your life. Legacy. Let's look at what the Apostle John says about it. We, we said at the beginning of our study of Second John that the Apostle John in First, Second, and Third John is writing to churches and believers around Ephesus because he's their overseer, he's their, their elder. And he is the last, at this time, the last living apostle. So he's got a lot of authority and a lot of weight and a lot of wisdom and he's writing out to these believers. But the, the, the reason he's writing this is because there has been this group of false teachers that that have come into the church teaching this false doctrine called Gnosticism. And they're confused. The believers are confused and they don't have 2,000 years of church history to lean back on. It's all new. And so they're confused and they want to know what is it that we need to believe? What is truth and what is the lie? And so he's writing to them with this one goal to give them confidence in the truth. He, he's saying we fellowship in not just fun, in love, in, even in, in empathy or in humility. We don't just fellowship in those things or for those things. We fellowship in truth. There is this truth, this absolute truth, this singular truth that binds us together, right? There's a reason we're here and it's this truth that we've all come to believe or we've, we're all trying to find. And so in 2 John, he wrote to a church, a group of churches about this truth. And then 3 John, he's writing to an individual believer, someone he has known, has mentored, maybe has led to Christ. He's writing to this individual believer about an individual problem, a specific problem within this church that Gaius, the, the guy he's talking to, is having with this other guy. So it's, it's this division in the church and the Apostle John is writing to talk to him about truth. So... Let's read all of 3 John. It's 15 verses. You guys can hang with me for that long. 15 verses. Grab your Bible, follow along, follow along on the screen. And then we'll kind of go back in and look at what he's saying about truth and legacy. 3 John, verse 1. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and, re- and testified to your truth. As indeed you are walking in the truth, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these that we may be fellow worshipers or fellow workers for the truth. Verse 9, I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us, and not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, 
but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, and I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we'll talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends, each by name. That's it. Just 15 verses, a short note to Gaius, but it's all about truth, and the Holy Spirit saw fit to include it in our holy scriptures, right? In the Word of God. So there's something in here for us today. Look at verse 3 again. He says, For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, Gaius' truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. No greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Legacy. As a father, that's what I'm praying for. That's the legacy I want to leave behind. Not names on buildings or on books or whatever, but children walking in the truth. There's only one legacy that matters. Your children walking in the truth. That's it. And listen, I'm not just talking about your biological or adopted children. That's definitely part of this. Like, I want my legacy to be Kennedy, Joshua, and Hannah walking in the truth I'll be honest, if that alone happens, I couldn't care less about their college education, their salaries, their high school track swim meet medals, track or swim meet medals. I, I could care, couldn't care less about that, whether their football team made it to state or not. I don't care about that. I just want them to walk in the truth above all things. Not just know the truth, be exposed to the truth, lean on the truth, wear the truth t-shirt, have the truth bumper sticker, but to actually walk in the truth. That's what I want for my kids. I want them to walk in the truth. That's what matters. But this isn't just about parenting in a biological and adoptive sense as in raising kids. That, that matters, but there's something else here. And we're talking about more than that. We're talking about a spiritual legacy, right? And here's what I would say about that. You don't have to have kids to leave a legacy, but you do have to be a father or a mother. You don't have to have kids to leave a legacy, but you do have to be a father or a mother. In other words, to leave a legacy that matters, you're going to have to intentionally and purposefully step out and mentor, lead, disciple, parent kids in the faith, children in the faith. Just because you don't have kids doesn't mean you're not supposed to parent. Just because your kids are all grown and living in other places doesn't mean that you're done. You, there are plenty of us, all of us, in fact, who need spiritual fathers and mothers to pour into us. Help us, guide us. There's not one person, you included, who would not benefit greatly from the mentorship of someone older in the faith about how to walk in the truth. Not one person. And, and I know it doesn't always work out. I know, I know you're busy. I know that you got a lot going on. I know that you got to get to work every day and you got to pay the bills and there's just this craziness of life. I know that you're busy. And I know that a lot of times when you step out to mentor somebody, to parent somebody in the faith, that doesn't work out. That they choose 
darkness over light, that they choose to walk in lies instead of walk in the truth. And it's heartbreaking because you pour into them your heart and they just walk away. And it's difficult. It's difficult. From Texas to China to Green Bay to here, I've seen a lot of kids, students, adults in my ministry who have, who have gone that route, who have walked away from the faith even though I've poured years into them. I've seen it. I know it can be frustrating. But it doesn't change the fact that you are called by God as a Christ follower to raise spiritual children. In fact, the difficulty of the endeavor, doesn't that just make it more important that all of us are doing it? Doesn't that just make it a bigger deal that you're actually following through on this? Doesn't it just mean that we need you even more? So if you don't have kids at home, and and even if you do, if you're 80 or 20 years old or somewhere in the middle, we need you. The church needs you. The world needs you needs you to guide, shape, mentor, parent kids, children who walk in truth. And listen, there's no greater joy than to see that your children are walking in the truth. That's legacy. But the question becomes, how do we do this, right? I mean, how do we... How do we leave behind a legacy of children, of people, of believers walking in the truth? How do we do this with, with the spiritual kind of children and the in-your-house-eating-your-food kind of children? How do, you, how do you pull this off? Well, three things that I see in, in this letter in, in 3 John that I just want to point out to you that I think will help us. And it's really three verses. It's verse 2, verse 8, and verse 11. And so let's look at those. Let's look at verse 2. Real quick again. He says this. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. John goes, I want everything to go well. Man, I want you to be in good health. I want your soul to go good too. I, want, I care about your soul. I think it's interesting that he says this about Gaius's soul. It's not just about his health and job and relationships. It's not about that only, his happiness. It's about his soul. His soul matters to John. Gaius is one of the Apostle John's spiritual children. John wants to leave a legacy of children walking in the truth, and Gaius's soul matters to John. So what does that mean to us? Here's what I think it means for us. If you want to leave a legacy that matters... The spiritual far outweighs the physical. Legacy is about souls, not comfort. Let me say that again. If you want to leave a legacy that matters, the spiritual far outweighs the physical. Legacy is about souls, not comfort. Here's what I mean. Jesus tells this parable in Luke 12 about a rich guy who owned a lot of stuff and he owned so much stuff that his barns were just overflowing, his storage facilities were overflowing and, and the parable goes that the rich guy just kind of talks to himself um, and he says, I know what I'll do. 
I'll just tear down my barns, I'll build bigger bigger barns, and I'll put more stuff in there, and I'll have even more stuff. And then he goes, and then I'll say to my soul, soul, you've done well, rest, take it easy, it'll be good, just enjoy the riches, enjoy all the stuff you have in your barns. But in the parable, God says to the rich man, you fool, you fool fool. Tonight, God says, your soul is required of you. And now, who's going to get all the stuff in your barns? That's what God says to the, the rich fool. You see, when it comes to legacy, you and I tend to think physical first. We think about houses and education and good jobs, and that's what we want for our children. Maybe add to that a good family, good health, That's the legacy we want. So we toil our whole lives to leave some kind of an inheritance. But fact, indisputable fact number one, you are going to die. And you don't get to decide when that is. I know that's a little bit of a downer. Welcome to Great Oaks. You're going to die and it won't be on your timetable. I don't know about you, but I I can't look at Facebook these days for five seconds without seeing 10 different people's before and after pictures, how they lost 782 pounds, right? Have you guys seen that? I mean, it's just a craze. Like every time I open Facebook, I'm like, oh my gosh, why does this guy have his shirt off? Both times, (laughs) right? I, I can't even look at Facebook without seeing all of these before and after pictures about weight loss and getting healthy. And I get it. I get it. God has given us this body and this time here. And we need to be good stewards of that. And we need to steward our energy and and our body and all of that. Let's be good stewards. But here's the thing. I've seen people who are like 80, 85 years old. And every day of their life, they've woken up and eaten bacon. And then they've taken, and I'm not talking about some kind of healthy bacon. I'm talking about real bacon. Because in my mind, there's only one kind of bacon, all right? Get your turkey bacon out of my face, all right? <laughs> Talk about pig, pork, bacon, all right? Talk about real bacon. And so they eat bacon every morning, and then they, they drink bacon grease, all right? And then they take the extra bacon grease, and they put it in a container, and they use it to flavor other foods so they taste like bacon, Right? And I come from the South, and listen, in the South, it's not even a meal unless there's gravy involved. I mean, it's not even counted as a meal. It's just a snack unless there's gravy, all right? And here's the thing. These people, they eat bacon. They drink bacon grease. They eat gravy all day long. They're 80, 85 years old, and they can take me, okay? I wouldn't want to mess with them. I wouldn't want to fight them. I mean, they could probably take me. Yeah. And then surely you've heard the stories like this super fit marathon runner who goes out for a jog and dies of a heart attack in his driveway. Health experts and people living unbelievably healthy lives dying before they're 50. Now let me just say this real quick. Do not email me and say, well, pastor, you know statistically... Kale will add 10 years to your life. (laughs) If you will just eat 10 pounds of kale a day, 
you will actually live forever. Don't talk to me about that. I acknowledge that the healthier way is better, okay? I acknowledge that. Get your kale, get your fruits and vegetables, drink your water, go GMO-free, gluten-free, cage-free, sugar-free, flavor-free, happiness-free. Do whatever you want to do. <laughs> do it. But here's the deal. In the end, do all the yoga you want. When it's over, it's over. You got me? It's over. That gym membership ain't saving any of us. It ain't saving. It might make you look better for the two weeks you go, January 1 through January 14. <laughs> it, might, it might make you look a little better. It might make you feel a little better. But it ain't saving you. Like who's to say there's not someone right now getting drunk, getting into a car that's going to meet one of us in an intersection? I don't know. I don't know. Fact number one, you are going to die. And unless you're in a really unhealthy place, that is not going to be on your timetable. And so Jesus is going, listen, in this parable in Luke 12, listen, you're seeing this all wrong. You've built all these barns. You've collected all this stuff, but here's the deal. You don't actually own anything because I control life and death, and tonight you're going to die. So it's all peripheral. All this stuff isn't even yours. And so fact number one, you're going to die. And then fact number two, your kids are going to get your stuff. Right? And that's what he says in the parable. He goes, who's going to get your stuff now? Well, the kids or the state. Those are your options. The kids or the state are going to, you can't take it with you. It isn't you that's going to get it. And then those kids or, or whoever gets it, they're going to build barns and amass stuff and they're going to die and then someone else is going to get your stuff and their stuff and then they're going to build big barns and they're going to put stuff in it and then they're going to die. And it just keeps going and going and going. And King Solomon would say in the book of Ecclesiastes, it's meaningless. All of it is meaningless. Chasing after the wind. A waste of time. Fathers and mothers, biological, adoptive, spiritual fathers and mothers. We cannot be more concerned with temporary things than we are with eternal things. We cannot spend more time making sure our children are comfortable in this life just so they can be in agony in the next. Legacy is children who walk in the truth. Not children who walk in nice shoes in a nice neighborhood. It's children who know the truth. Not just children who know some marketable skill that they can make money with. Children who love the truth. Not just children who love their job or their spouse. Children who are passionate about the truth. Not just children who are passionate about sports. The Apostle John cares about his spiritual son Gaius's soul not just his health and wealth this is about souls not comfort now look at look at verse 8 that was verse 2 look at verse 8 he's talking about people who spread the truth of the gospel strangers to Gaius and he says this in verse 8 
Therefore, we ought to support people like these, people who spread the truth, people you don't even know, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. We should support these people. Then two verses before that, he said that we should send these people on their journey in a manner that's worthy of God. Listen, beloved, if you want to leave a legacy of children, actual and spiritual children, walking in the truth, what you do with your money matters, right? What you do with your money matters. If you want to leave a legacy that matters, you have to support the truth with your money. The Apostle John's going, guys, keep sending them off. Keep supporting the people who are spreading the truth. Keep doing that. Because here's the thing. Your children will see what you support and they will take their cues from that, right? The Apostle John is going, support these faithful workers that are spreading the gospel. In other words, if you want your kids to walk in the truth, you have to show them that you value truth by what you support. That truth is valuable, that spreading the truth of the gospel is a worthwhile endeavor, that you you were given everything you have, every dime you own, every piece of property you have, you were given everything by God, for God, with one purpose, to spread the truth, to leave a legacy of children walking in the truth. Like Pastor Nate was talking about, you're a steward, you're a manager, you're not an owner. You're a steward, you're a manager. You are a conduit through which the finances that God gives you should flow to these faithful workers, these faithful truth tellers that the Apostle John is talking about. And listen, I know you don't like when I talk about money. I get that. But that's just because you love it too much. I mean, there's no other reason. That's just because you love it too much. That's okay. I mean, it's not okay. It's okay because a lot of us love it too much. All of us are in that spectrum somewhere, right? A lot of us struggle, especially in our culture, in our nation, to not love money too much. But the thing is, I care more about you walking in the truth than your comfort level. And it's all over the Bible and your kids, your spiritual and actual children, your legacy, they matter to me. I want them to walk in the truth and I know that if you live your life in such a way that your words say one thing but your checkbook says another thing, it is going to be devastating for your legacy. Your legacy will suffer. Your kids will suffer. Our efforts in spreading the truth to them and through them will suffer. Our efforts in trying to get people who don't know the truth to accept the truth will suffer. So I want to be very clear because I think ambiguity is the enemy of application, right? So I want to be very clear about what I'm inviting you to do. If your legacy matters to you, if you want to leave behind an army of children walking in the truth. Start tithing. Start tithing. It's, it's a starting point, a biblical minimum. But if you're not there, just start there. Give 10% of your income to your church right off the top and trust God to provide and take care of you with the 90% like Pastor Nate was talking about. And then teach your children, spiritual and actual, to do the same. Listen, I've never not tithed. It's because I grew up in a household that taught that we should give to the church, that we should tithe. Not just give to the church. That's the difference. Tithing is different than just, what do I have in my pocket? Oh, okay, 75 cents. Boom. 
That's different than tithing, right? Tithing, tithe is a, is a mathematical term. It means 10%. And so when I, as I was growing up, my parents taught me that $1 out of every $10, some of you aren't math people, but you'll get it in a minute, $1 out of every $10 goes to Jesus. It's not even mine. Birthday money, allowance, Christmas money, when it came in, I didn't even, it was not mine. That 10% was not mine. So my children, actual and spiritual, know this about me. This is a non-negotiable. We will not rob God. We're not going to do it. And I can tell you from experience that God has proven himself faithful in times when it seemed like there would not be enough, when it seemed like we wouldn't make the bills. Some of you have experienced that yourself. So I'm saying you should tithe, but... Don't stop there. Be strategic about giving above and beyond tithe to these faithful truth-tellers that the Apostle John is talking about. Give to missions here at Great Oaks and we'll partner that, put that with the other money that we give to missions on a monthly basis uh, all over the world and right here in our backyard. Give to missions. Maybe, maybe strategically budget some margin into your life, into your monthly amount of money. Budget some margin and create some margin so that you can have some money to help friends, help family, help strangers who are having a rough time that you can be generous to them. You can't be generous with what you don't have. If you spend 100% of what God gives you every month, how are you going to be generous? How are you going to take care of the orphan and the widow, like the scriptures say? Build margin into your budget for that. When you do these things, your children see it, and I believe it dramatically increases your chances of having children who walk in the truth and, and you getting the epitaph that you're hoping for. One last one, verse 11. Look at it with me. Verse 11 says, Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. If you want to leave a legacy that matters, you have to do more than talk about it. You have to do more than talk about what is good. You have to imitate it. Words are a good start, maybe. But if you stay there and never move to action, it probably will do more harm than good to those God has given you influence over. There's a lot of pressure in this whole thing, right? There's a lot of pressure in legacy with the kids God has given you in your house and the spiritual children he's given you influence over. It can be a really scary thing thinking that, man, they're watching, they're listening, they're imitating. More and more lately, my son's question is, is that what daddy does? (laughs) Is that how daddy does it? Does daddy... Sleep with a shirt or without a shirt? Does daddy do it that way? Does daddy take a bath or a shower? His mom's like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Just do what I'm saying, right? Does daddy use a swimming when he gets into the pool? It's one of the scariest things of fatherhood and motherhood, realizing how much they're imitating and copying. No shirt, shower, yes to the swimming, just in case you were wondering. But they're always watching. It's the same with younger Christians to older ones. They're watching. They're taking their cues from you. If you do it, they figure it must be okay. If you say it, they say it. If you don't give, don't serve, don't show up, don't look different than the world, they will follow suit. It's scary. There's a lot of pressure here. But listen to me real close for a second. You are not being asked to invent anything. 
You are not being asked to do anything on your own. You are not alone in this. When you look at the spiritual children, the actual children that God has given you, imitating you, don't get caught looking at them. Instead, look ahead. Who are you imitating? Who are you looking to? Who are you following? John says, be imitators of good. Imitate good and not evil. That's what the Apostle Paul did. He said in 1 Corinthians 11.1, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. If you stop at be imitators of me, we got a problem. If a guy comes in and goes, follow me, I got this all figured out, let's go. Don't follow him. Follow the guy who comes in and goes, man, I'm just following like you. I'm just imitating Christ. If you want to come, let's go. I'll show you how I do it. Let's imitate Jesus. There's nothing new under the sun. Another Ecclesiastes quote from King Solomon. That means all of us at all times are imitating something. You're going to imitate something. The Apostle John is saying, you've got two options. You can imitate good or you can imitate evil. And there's only one that's good. That's Jesus. So everything else that you imitate is evil. With the decisions you make, with your time, what you do with your money, what actions you take, what you make a priority in your life and in your house, where you go, what you say, with all of that, you're imitating one of two things, good or evil. So as you seek to leave a legacy that matters, a legacy of children walking in the truth, imitate what is good. And listen, I don't know how things are going to turn out with Kennedy, Hannah, and Joshua. They're too young. I mean, I have hopes, I have prayers, but I just don't know yet. But already at my age, I have spiritual sons and daughters like many of you do. And I said earlier that this is hard and many people you pour into just don't turn out right and they don't walk in the truth, but there's a lot who do. I've got a spiritual son in New Orleans who's a kid's pastor doing much damage to the kingdom of God or to the kingdom of darkness in the kingdom of God. I've got a spiritual daughter in Texas who's one of the best youth pastors I've ever seen. Students coming to know Christ left and right in her ministry. I've got some spiritual sons and daughters in Green Bay and here who are older than me. Some who have given up jobs, toxic relationships and addiction to drugs for the truth of Christ. Others who have chosen the truth over the rat race, more money, bigger houses, better cars. Others who have chosen God's truth over the lies of the enemy that would say they're worthless, no good. They should end it all. I have no greater joy than to see that some of my children are walking in the truth. It's all I care about. It's the only legacy I'm worried about, the only epitaph I want. What about you? When it comes to legacy, what are you placing your hope in? If you died today, what would your epitaph be? What would be said in your eulogy? We all have many spiritual brothers and sisters, but fathers and mothers are few. We need you. Physical age has nothing to do with it, by the way. We need you. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your truth that changes us. And I guess my prayer today as we end is just that you would help us to focus on a legacy of kids walking in the truth. We want our children, biological, actual, live-in-our-house children, as well as spiritual children, 
to walk in the truth. Help, help us focus on that. Just as you have your heads bowed and eyes closed today, just ask the Lord, what is it that you want to speak to me about today? Make a decision right now about your legacy. Write it down. Talk to somebody. We're going to have prayer workers on the sides that you can pray with. If you need anything, please, please get prayer. Lord, I pray for us as a church that you would lead us to leave a legacy that matters. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you stand with me? We're running out on time, so let's do this. Why don't, I'm going to say my prayer over you, and then you can feel like you're dismissed. Um, Pastor Nate and the band will continue to play, but you can go ahead and go get your kids. You can get prayer, uh, but you can stay in worship if you've got the time. But here's my prayer for us today. May we be people who live for a legacy of truth. May we give everything else up to see our children, spiritual or otherwise, walking in the truth. And may we be a church full of spiritual mothers and fathers in the faith. God bless you. Sorry we went a little over today. Hopefully you didn't even notice. We'll see you next week uh, as we finish up the Small Fry series. Bring somebody with you.